Welcome to Weight Loss for Small Animal Vets podcast. I am Nadina Kojokaru, DVM and Certified Life and Weight Coach. Hello friends and welcome to episode 7 of the podcast, Hoarding Negativity. This is the podcast that combines brain science, biology and coaching to help small animal vets completely change their lives and stop relying on food or alcohol to deal with day-to-day challenges. How is everything with you? How is it going with the small animal vet job? Still remembering to bring joy in it? What feels hard for you right now? What do you need most help with right now? Send me an email to info at vetcoachinternational.com and let me know. I've already collected some of your questions both from my social media and through the email, and I plan to answer them in a future Q&A episode. I posted last week on my social media a picture with a little hamster whose lower jaws incisors were so long that the poor thing couldn't close its mouth, and the upper jaw incisors were non-existent. The pet owners came in with a totally unrelated complaint being unaware of this problem. And I use this as a typical example of a suffering pet to question our default thinking and feeling in our small animal vet's jobs. I have a shit ton of other similar or even worse examples from my day-to-day vet job, as I'm absolutely sure that you have as well. Tons of pictures taken through the years with decomposing and rotten paws after home-applied bandages, with a one-centimeter gap in the soft tissues that made the metacarpal bones visible, or rabbits eaten by fly maggots, or KCS eyes covered in pus and non-existent because they were eaten by fly maggots, or end-stages mast cell tumors that transformed the pet's bodies in necrotic, infected, ulcerated masses unable to move. And, of course, the pet owners refused to euthanize. Or the other extreme of pet owners who push for euthanasia in an obese, severely neglected cat who has a 1 cm diameter lipoma on a thigh and an abscess after a bite wound on her butt. And, of course, the most extreme ones, are coming in the middle of the night ER shift when you maybe have two nurses with you in the whole hospital and of course the pet owner's behaviors become volatile if not plain freaking aggressive. And I will stop here because you certainly have your own images with suffering animals. Yes, I currently own that formerly obese and neglected cat, as I am sure you have your own pile of adopted or rescued animals. What is useful to think and feel in a situation like this? What creates unnecessary suffering for us as VASH professionals? Our brains will easily go towards loops of negativity, blaming, shaming, punishing, resentment, anger, that lasts not only for hours, but for days and days. But 
Is this really what's useful for the patient and for us? Like I said in the previous episode of the podcast, our thoughts create our feelings. And our feelings drive our actions. And as human beings and as small animal vets, we tend to hoard negativity. Seeking for the evidence of negativity and avoiding it by any costs is what brought us here as human beings. It was an important part of the evolution. But how to use the thought model and the way our feelings are created to our advantage? The first response of my brain when seeing the hamster or that rotten paw usually involves an F-bomb of some kind. It always does in my case. And I use it plenty in situations like this because I attached some kind of surprise and curiosity to it. Oh my fucking god, or what the fuck, or what the actual fuck are common in my case. So, after the what the actual fuck, the next thought that usually comes is Oh my god, this poor thing. Which creates intense emotional pain and sadness. Nadina before thought work would keep reliving that sadness, transform that in intense anger, judgment and hate towards the pet owners. I believe that it was necessary. We have, though, two problems with this approach. One. The pet owners don't feel the hate, the judgment, the resentment and the anger. The neuropathways creating those feelings happen in our brains and in our bodies. We are the only ones feeling them. Those are reactions arising from our primitive brains. The chemicals released are affecting our blood vessels, our heart rate, our breathing, our muscles that become clenched and constricted. How do those chemicals perpetuate the negativity loops? Creating anger, resentment or plain intense suffering about the pet's suffering is perceived by the brain as another danger and it will fire again the neurons involved in the pain loop who will secrete more suffering-creating substances in our bodies, again and again. Our thoughts start to go back to the past suffering of the animal, imagining its pain and what its life has been hour by hour, day after day, and then we focus on the pet owners and their nonchalant or oblivious behaviors and so on. Does this sound familiar? When did this happen the last time for you? By the way, the exact kind of negativity loops might happen in your life outside the vet job as well. I can only mention discussion about politics, COVID-19, racism, sexism, and so on. We are negativity hoarders and we perpetuate our own unnecessary suffering. 2. When emotions are high, the intelligence is low. 
It doesn't matter if the emotions are negative or positive, by the way. Our IQs are decreased when we create intense emotions. I will put a link in the show notes with an article that talks about that in Psychology Today. Matthew D. Lieberman, a neuroscientist, has found an inverse relationship between the activation of the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex. When the amygdala is active with blood and oxygen, there is less activation in the prefrontal cortex. Our rational thinking power is disrupted or plainly said, the brain will keep refueling the survival mechanisms, which lies in the amygdala, and suppress the rational thinking by literally cutting off the oxygen and blood supplies from the prefrontal cortex. It's interesting how no one can make us do something against our better judgment, but our own amygdala always can. And Professor Lieberman says that any strong emotion, fear, stress, anxiety, anger, joy or betrayal trips off the amygdala and impairs the prefrontal cortex's working memory. The power of emotions overwhelms rationality. This is why, when we are emotionally upset or stressed, we can't think straight. The IQ points we need to thoughtfully consider decisions are depleted temporarily. Have you fallen asleep by all the brain science chatter? (laughs) So, how to apply this in our vet jobs? What worked in my case with my logical brain was to first be aware of what I feel and what I think on a regular basis. I've made a habit of repeatedly asking myself two questions. The answers to those questions are usually the source of my pain. Or better said, the answers to those questions are the thoughts that I currently think and who are creating the pain. First question is, so what? Or why is this a problem for you right now? And the second question is, why? Why are you feeling sad? Why is this a problem? Or a plain why? After finding the answer to those questions, I ask another one. Is it useful to think in this way? Is this feeling useful? I even created screensavers on my phone with the phrase manage your mind or with the question so what? The phone is always present in our nowadays lives. So every time the screen is lighting up, I see the screensaver and I remember to question my brain. Otherwise, we'll constantly feel like crap and the negativity hoarding goes on and on until we are completely paralyzed, we resent our lives and we even consider giving up being vets. So, let's go through the hamster example to see how to interrupt the negativity hoarding. The circumstance is the hamster who has overgrown incisors and who can't close its mouth. 
my initial thoughts were, what the actual fuck? <laughs> and the feeling was surprised. Then immediately after that, oh my god, poor thing. And the feeling was pain. After that, usually, the amygdala kicks in and the negativity loops start. I am currently able to recognize those loops almost immediately. I breathe through those emotions and I ask myself, what is more useful to think and feel right now? And usually, this question shifts the focus from the negativity loops or from the primitive brain to the prefrontal cortex. Because the prefrontal cortex is the problem-solving center in our brains. Those thoughts might sound like, let's see how to fix this poor thing's problem as soon as possible. The feeling created is curious with no judgment at all. The actions will be asking more questions, show the owners the problem, investigate how to fix it, and so on. As soon as we bring in the judgment and resentment to our actions, we'll lose time and our actions will show it. Even if you think that you can hide your resentment and judgment, you don't. And the most important thing to remember is that you can't hide those feelings, especially from you and your amygdala. And your internal loops will continue. And I don't really give a damn about anyone else except from you. Why? Because we cannot influence other people's thoughts, opinions and actions, but we can definitely influence ours. I found a solution for the hamster in less than one minute, including the time for checking the price for getting the problem fixed. Now, let's say that the owners don't want to pay for the problem to be fixed and choose to euthanize the animal. What is useful to think and feel about this? What creates unnecessary pain and suffering for you and for the pet? What is in your power to change and what not? You know what is the main problem with hoarding negativity. It will trigger thoughts about having bad days at your job, who will create excuses for overeating, overdrinking, watching hours and hours of Netflix. It will burn you out. And by the way, there are no bad days at job. This is just an optional evaluation of your day. You can call it challenging. You can see it as a victory, even if it's just a mind work victory. Let's go there to our worst case scenario. You made a mistake and an animal died. You know it. Your nurses know it. The pet owners know it. Feeling pain and allowing yourself time to grieve is necessary. What is unnecessary and will hoard negativity are thoughts like This should have never happened. I can't cope with this. I'm useless. I'm stupid. 
I am just consuming the oxygen from this planet. Those kind of thoughts create spirals of negativity. Our brains are the greatest terrorists or bullies in our lives, and we have to learn to not negotiate with terrorists, to implement boundaries about what we allow us to believe about ourselves, about our lives, and about our vet abilities. It's actually in our power to stop hoarding negativity. We have some well-paced neuropathways that are on repeat, but we have also the ability of ditching the second bullet. Pain is inevitable, my friends, but suffering is optional. Let your heart feel the pain. I can teach you how to cope with this. And I can teach you how to ditch the suffering. Remember to send your questions and your concerns to my email or as a message on social media. And to download the quick weight loss guide for small animal vets in the show notes. If you are interested in stopping the emotional eating and in learning how to deal with your small animal vet life, book a free consult with me. It's a fun, friendly and relaxed conversation. And if we are a match to work together, we'll see how we can make it happen. And if not, you will still get a lot of valuable information and resources about how to deal with your current problems. Have an amazing rest of the day. Sending you lots of loving hugs.